Branches on WPRK Winter Park, Florida from their fairly new album, 2016, uh, White Flag. That was Carrie to start us off here on To a Certain Degree. You're listening to a certain degree because that's true. Yeah, I don't know how much you're listening. Everybody's listening a little bit differently. Everybody's got different ears. Good morning. My name is Nick. I do this every week and ramble on apparently sometimes. Uh, and every week I have a special guest and this week's guest is Jen Vargas. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Nick. Thank you so much for being here this early. My pleasure. I'm surprisingly awake. Yeah, well, uh, that's a giant uh, iced tea with plenty of caffeine and sugar. So that'll... Yay! There you go. Yeah. Uh, sound effects are always good. So, Jen, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Film Slam. Yes. Central Florida Top 5. Yes. You went to the Women's March uh, last weekend. I did. Fantastic. I want to get to all of that. I didn't even know you were going to that when I said, hey, can you come on my show? So this is, it's like bonus. Yes. I love bonuses. Yeah, it was my first trip ever to Washington, D.C. I was there for 13 hours. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I think that's about the experience you want to have with uh, D.C. at this point, unless you're going to the, like, the museums and stuff. Yes. All right. Well, let's get to know you a little bit better before we get to all of that. So we're going to play a little game, uh, 20 questions. Okay. So you might have heard. And what we're going to do is a little bit differently. You're going to have to answer... Yes or no, but in a way that makes sense only to me and hopefully to the listeners. You're going to say year in or year out. So okay. year in, we're, we're in a year right now. We're, we're gone. We're done with last year, I think. There might be some holdover, but the new year is here. So you're going to say year in if you're for something. Year out, gone. Goodbye. Yeah, let's go. Let's get on with that. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So let's start out with uh, with uh, reference to something that just happened recently. Uh, we lost John Hurt. So mm -hmm. how do you feel about the alien chess scene? Year in or year out? Um, I'd be year in. Yeah? Yeah. So did you ever read anything about it? You've seen the movie Alien, right? I have. Okay. So no one knew that was going to happen. <laughs> On the set. So Ridley Scott wanted to have everybody react as viscerally as possible. That's awesome. And so he basically scared the pants off of everyone and then filmed it. Okay. Which I think is what everybody should do as a filmmaker. I agree. Uh, <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit more about filmmaking. Uh, so how do you feel about millennials? Year in or year out? I would say year in. They've, they've impressed me a lot lately, especially with uh, getting on board against hate and inclusivity and mm -hmm. all of that. So, yeah, you're in. Good. LASIK eye surgery. So we're both wearing glasses. Would you ever have them shoot lasers at your face to fix your uh, vision? Ooh. I don't know. I kind of like glasses. Pew, 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 pew. You can still wear the glasses. You just take the lenses out. Oh, that would be. Yeah, then you don't have to worry about cleaning them. You don't have to. I've been thinking a lot about this because hmm. I, I like looking smart. I've gone into and I've I've been told I'm a candidate uh -huh. for LASIK. I'll go cautiously year in. Okay, very good. How about colonizing Mars? Definitely year in. Okay, do you want to go? Yes. Okay. <laughs> like first flight out or you want to wait a oh, little no. bit? No, no, no. I want to be able to come home. I, you can't currently do that. And the Mars <laughs> One program, you that's your trip and you're done. Yeah, that sounds... Yeah, pretty cool. Wait, what's the Mars One program? Mars One program is the that first group yeah. that are going to basically colonize Mars and build. Oh, they're going to the stay. Community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's neat. My friend Kelly Girardi is in that program, and yeah, I I, I want to be able to come back. Okay, so you can come back. You're in. You know. All right, I would go. Medical marijuana. This just recently became legal in Florida. It's legal in a bunch of other states. How do you feel about that? Absolutely, you're in. Yeah. 
Yes. So every study says, well, there's a lot of studies that say it works. There's a lot of studies that say it doesn't. But, you know, hearing from people who actually use it, it sounds like for the most part, it's helpful, even yes. if it's only a psychosomatic reaction. Well, being being the caregiver of a uh, of cancer patient, I who am I to say what works for them and what doesn't work for them? Right. Whatever causes you less pain and helps you get through your day. I'm all for it. OK. Snapchat. Oh, you're out. I hate Snapchat. Wow. Okay. I hate Snapchat. So oh. we were talking a little bit about some of the social media platforms out there. You're a big Twitter fan. Love. You're not so big on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook is necessary evil, I guess. Okay, so it sounds like Snapchat's on the other end of the spectrum from yes. Twitter. Yeah. Snapchat. Why do you dislike it so much? Is it the sort of uh, the you know the the nature of it that it just doesn't last, or that it's kind of gimmicky? Uh, I don't mind a good gimmick. Mm -hmm. Snapchat is pointless. I can do everything. I can accomplish everything that I need to on Instagram now. That's a good point. So Instagram did. Okay. So let's say Instagram didn't copy the functionality of Snapchat. Is it just because you don't need another app in your life? Well, no, I'm, I'm okay with apps. I love tech stuff and I love a bunch of apps, but Snapchat just even before Instagram changed and had moments and all that stuff, mm -hmm. it just was pointless to me. All right. Very good. <laughs> How about zombies? Ooh, Zombies are making Georgia a lot of money right now. Yes. Unfortunately, not us. Um, I'll say year in because I think there's some some things that can still be told. So from a pop culture standpoint, some stories that are still out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot left to it. Um, so for a zombie outbreak in real life, you're probably not for that. Mm -mm. Okay. No, you're out. Good, Good to know. Barnum and Bailey Circus. So they just announced 146 years. They're closing up shop in March, I think. So coming up fairly soon. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, How do you feel about the circus in general? Year in. Yeah. I mean, 146 years of history. They helped discover and educate people who wanted to be in the circus, have something to do with animals, have something to do with performing there are generations of tightrope walkers mm -hmm. and generations of just people who are of that circus life. I, Mayor Teresa Jacobs, I believe, went to clown school. So I, I don't see I've I've taken a tour of the Ringling facility. Oh, down south. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I haven't, in my point of view, ever seen any mistreatment. In fact, I saw the opposite mm -hmm. with the elephants, with all of the animals that are in the shows. And they were all very well treated from my perspective. Right, right, right. So I don't have any sort of, I, I have nothing but great warm feelings for the circus. So year in. Good. And I don't think that's why it's shutting down. I think it's, you know, finally to the point where a traveling circus doesn't make much sense from a financial standpoint anymore. Well, a lot of it had to do with getting, uh, when they ended the elephants. Yeah. That they saw a decline. I read the press release. It has a decline really? in ticket sales from the elephants not being part of the show anymore. Huh. I wouldn't have thought of that. And then with this, uh, their 140, I think it's their 145th tour show, 146th year, they just, they saw such a sharp decline in sales. Right. It wasn't fiscally responsible enough to, for them to continue. Interesting. I didn't realize that, that the elephants were such a big draw. Yeah. Big draw. Bummer. <laughs> Unintended. <laughs> Big draw. Uh, okay. 
So Orlando, they just announced, I believe it was the Department of Transportation, they're going to be testing pretty aggressively driverless cars out here Mm -hmm. and then putting them on the road at some point, hopefully after I-4 is done. So how do you feel about driverless cars? Um, I will for now say year out. Okay. How come? Because I think they're there are enough people in cars that can't pay attention and drive Mm -hmm. versus check their email and whatnot. I was hit by a distracted driver. So if anything goes wrong with the instrumentation, with the electric, with all that stuff. Well, with the uh, robot gaining sentience and then deciding to kill us all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're out for now. I'm all for exploring tech. All right. I always liked it from the perspective of the movie Minority Report mm-hmm. with uh, Tom Cruise, uh, Spielberg movie, and he controlled it. You controlled the car on, uh, you know, regular roads. And then once you got on the highway, all the cars were driven basically by themselves. And so I thought that was a good idea that you have. And I think that speaks to your point of, right. you know, you can't like, I'm fine with the, the robot. I just don't like that guy who's clipping his toenails while he's driving. Oh, so gross. Yeah, <laughs> and I've th- th- that's not 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 far fetched. No, 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 no. I might have been that guy once or twice, so <laughs> shouldn't say anything bad about him. Uh, how about okay? So we're still in January. How do you feel about New Year's resolutions? Um, year out. They don't work. No. All right. No, because it's it. In my opinion, you set yourself up for failure if you if you deviate from your goal even in the littlest bit. You've already you're like, oh, I didn't fulfill this, and you kind of get it. You give yourself like a mind trick and say, oh, I, I failed already. So why bother? So then what you do is you set expectations super low. <laughs> Once this year, I'm going to eat healthy or something along those lines. Oh. Or you set them so high that you know you can't possibly do it. So you're like, meh, it's fine. I'm going to do yoga three times a day. Yeah. yeah right. And it goes to the gym every day. Mm-hmm. Not a chance. So you just, uh, you were just telling me you did a film that had something to do with New Year's resolutions. You worked on a film that was just uh, won an award that yes. had something to do with New Year's resolutions. Yes. Our, our film was actually called Resolution. Mm-hmm. We won at the Freedom Shorts. We won Best Ensemble Cast at the Freedom Shorts Festival in Philadelphia. Nice. Congratulations. And thank you. It was a film made in 48 hours for the 48 Hour Film Project Orlando. It's an international competition where the competition gives you the elements and you have to make a film concept to completion in 48 hours based on what they give you. So a, a genre, a prop, a character name and profession, and a line of dialogue that has to be repeated b- verbatim. And was there a limit to the length of the movie? Obviously, you want to keep it short because you're trying to do it in 48 hours. Minimum of four, maximum of seven. Uh, okay, so between four and seven. So, yeah. And then do you come in with a team or do you say, okay, I'm this type of person and they're just going to put you on a team? Um, you can do that if you don't have a team. I am fortunate enough to have worked, what is it now, seven years, I think, with yeah. the same team. We call ourselves Creative in the Films. It's a production company here. Mm-hmm. And we, we just have, everybody knows what they do and whatever department they're not in. If we need to run and gun, we pitch in and help. Right, like, right. Everybody, the hall's crafty. Everybody swings a light. Everybody swings a boom. Like, we, we've got a pretty well-oiled machine for our 48-hour. I think for some of those things, for the but those in particular, when you have to have sort of an ensemble making something. So mm-hmm. you mentioned ensemble cast, but then there's the uh, uh, the actual everybody behind the scenes. It, you almost have to have 
that level of communication. You can't just be thrown on a team and expect it to work, especially when it comes to a creative project and a creative process like that. Oh yeah. And everybody wants to be a director. Yep. <laughs> Everyone. Yep. What? That's <laughs> weird. People are funny. People are funny. So this is coming up next week. Uh, we just had the Pro Bowl here in Orlando last night. We'll yes. talk a little bit more about that later on. But how do you feel about the Super Bowl? Year in or year out? Year out. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. The Super Bowl commercials are really what I tune in for. And the boneless buffalo wings. Nice, nice. But other for the sport, I mean, I I respect the people who are out there exerting whatever. But I just I've never been a big football fan. All right, very good. Uh, how about more closer to home? More close to home. English is geez, second language. <laughs> it was basically my first language is Greek swear words, and my second language is English. Awesome. So that's how I I roll. Uh, theme parks. Theme parks. Um, I'd say year in. Yep. Because it just here in Orlando alone, we have like the the big box theme parks, and we also mm -hmm. have smaller local ones like Gatorland and Fun Spot, and just the the uh, yeah. I think there's there's enough to go around for everyone. Very good. I've never heard them referred to as the big box theme parks. I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's <laughs> Thank great. You. Uh, how about musicals? Oh, year in. Yeah. Yes. Did you see L.A. L.A. Land? No. Is that how you pronounce it? La La Land. Oh, that makes more sense. L.A. L.A. Land. Uh, that, it was really good. You know, what was interesting, though, is I didn't feel like there were enough songs for it to really count as a musical. I don't know where that uh, critical mass of songs is. Like, mm -hmm. is it X number of minutes in the movie? Is it X number of songs? But it felt like they just, like, I break into song. Oh, yeah. You know, Who on doesn't? occasion. Yeah. And so I don't know that they did anything unusual. I thought it was just a movie and they just kind of broke into songs. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's good to know. What's your, do you have a favorite musical? 1776. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, my gosh. Is it's, it good? It's about um, writing the Constitution. Oh. I'm not a huge history buff, but yeah. I, I love 7076 and the, and the revival with Brent Spiner from Star Trek, The Next Generation. The Next Generation Data. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, oh, they did a wonderful job of that. I never got to see it live, unfortunately, but I've seen video footage and I have the soundtrack. So, so we should watch that and then uh, try to get in and break into Hamilton. And then totally. we'll just do all of yes. the American history all at once. Yes. In musical format. <laughs> all right, so going back to filmmaking for a couple of questions. Uh, he is having a resurgence. He's having a comeback. His movie's doing really well uh, called Split, M. Night Shyamalan. Hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Am I year in, year out? Year, year in, year out. M. Night Shyamalan. I would never want to hold a filmmaker down, but I'm going to say year out. Really? Yeah. Okay. Were you never a fan or was it that sort of he was great and then when he fell off that cliff? it's No, he hit a plateau yeah. and then just kind of didn't know where to go from there. Mm -hmm. the, the tried and true kind of gotcha didn't work well. I, I don't know. I, I think he's capable of a lot more because he is a great storyteller. Yes. But yes, I will agree with that. But then when everyone's waiting for that gotcha moment and in some movies you don't have it or in some yeah. movies they don't feel like it's interesting enough or compelling enough. Yeah, it's tough. It is. And it, I mean, once you've done something like The Sixth Sense and you're like, <gasps> once you've blown people's minds, right. where else do you go? Right. You know, what's interesting, too, is uh, I have this theory that every Bruce Willis movie is either him dead in it as a ghost 
or he's playing two characters. He's playing a kid and Bruce Willis at the same time. Because hmm. he does that in a lot of movies. You look at his IMDb page. He's he basically both like Armageddon, for example. He's Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis at the same time. Huh. Yeah. You don't really see them in the same scenes at the same time. Right. Except for the ones that they are. That's why a salary cost is so high. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. So also, you're in and you're out. How about comic book movies? Um, if you would have asked me five years ago, I would have said you're out. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like, eh, I don't read that stuff and I'm not exposed to that culture or whatnot. So I'm what happened say, in the last five years? Well, no, it, it, it in a very weird, unexpected way, um, Megacon oh, okay. actually turned me around. We covered it for a show I used to produce called Indie Cinema Showcase. And first year, I was so scared going into this like nerd pop anime culture mm-hmm event didn't know what to expect didn't know no i was like and and here i am just dressed in a t-shirt and jeans and i'm like i'm not i'm so not going to be accepted into this people are like what's she doing here but completely the opposite people were non-judgmental it was a safe place for everybody Mm -hmm. if your cosplay is david bowie or if your cosplay is the ladies from hidden figures like everybody was accepted everybody was welcome and it got me into that culture a little more and it also helps that my boyfriend is a huge comic book nerd okay so he's helped kind of facilitate yeah yeah, yeah. that nerd cred card i guess mm-hmm. but yeah megacon really is what what brought me over and the a- adaptation between what you see in the comic books and to what, what you, you see think. on screen yeah, yeah, yeah. that's gotta interesting. be interesting from a filmmaking perspective is you're basically you have it storyboarded right in some cases like they don't the always part. take it from, directly from the comic book, but it's interesting to see this might be a way to, how would you set that up as a scene? How would you set that up in a film? Yeah. That sort of thing. It's a good blueprint. Yeah. All right. So uh, one more about movies, uh, award season. How do you feel about award season? You're in, you're in, Yeah. you're in. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, thinking back to the name of this segment. I probably should have come up with a better name because that doesn't sound right when you're agreeing, <laughs> but what are you going to do? That's fine. Uh, so award season. So uh, did you watch any of the Screen Actors Guild stuff last night? Or of do you course. do you watch? Do you have like a party and everything and everybody comes in black ties? And uh, I, I don't I, I dress up in my pajamas and, and I have it. dinner. OK, yeah. very good. <laughs> I watched the, the Screen Actors Guild Awards last night. Very great. A lot of things were said that needed to be said. Mm-hmm. I was so happy to see Moonlight win. Mm-hmm. Mahershala Ali completely deserved that award yeah and the the fact that he opened up the way that he did as well was was very cool nice very cool and the oscars are coming up do you have any predictions for that a lot of people are saying la la land is gonna sweep it la la land (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't know i'm kind of i kind of have my just because Moonlight was shot in Florida, I, uh, okay. I I'm we're kind gonna, of we're we're going for. Let's just start it right here because I know yeah. there's a lot of the uh, people who vote listen to this show. Cool. Uh, so we're gonna go ahead and say it right now. Moonlight all day. Moonlight. Yep. Okay. Good. They deserve it. Uh, year in or year out, drones. I'm gonna say year in. Okay. So as a filmmaker, that's something that's. Fairly interesting, fairly new that you can use within that. But uh, from a privacy issue, do you have any concerns about it? Do you think that that's uh, maybe going too far? I think there was just uh, Orlando just said they pretty much banned it without a 
uh, some sort of um, FAA license. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the responsible drone owners who are FAA certified, you won't have to worry about that because yeah. they're responsible. They know they're they're out there if they paid that much to get the license and they went through the hours of of training and whatnot you know they're out there for a reason they're not out there to spy they're not out there to impede upon your liberties and whatnot they're they're there to collect some footage for a client and they're moving on people i would be i'm almost kind of year out for consumer drones Mm -hmm. but year in for commercial drones which i would normally be pretty much the opposite the opposite yeah yeah yeah. but there are some people just because you have something doesn't mean you should use it so (laughs) some some people just they i don't know they they need to understand that i I learned a lot about this i was picked for google glass Mm -hmm. and i had been beta testing them for a couple of years and people just assumed that because i was wearing it that I was automatically recording everything that I saw. It's like, oh no, yeah, no, no, that's not true. I'm, I'm more responsible than that. But somebody who doesn't know me would just assume the worst. Right. So exactly. same thing with drones. It's just because you have one. It's like, oh yeah, you're spying on your neighbor. You're being all sorts of shady with it. It's like, no. Well then how do you feel about the, uh, and this is kind of off the 20 questions, but the Snapchat spectacles. Because those may or may not be coming out. I remember hearing about them towards the end of last year, and now I haven't heard anything since. They actually did have a release. Oh, did they? Google Glass did not have a release. It was just a two-year beta. Right. Spectacles actually did have a release. Okay. They have pop-up shops, and uh, I think you can buy them on the website. Are they actually working? Are they, People are using them, but the field of view is so fisheye that it's just... I don't I don't like that at least with glass I mean it was five megapixel camera uh, 720p resolution Mm -hmm. but it was a full wide field of view versus spectacles it's just that fisheye crazy it's almost like a GoPro yeah yeah and I I don't know I just the glasses look kind of dumb in my opinion but if people use them for what they think they need to use them for I'm not really sure what that is, but yeah. I I don't know either. All right, let's stick with technology for a second. How do you feel? Maybe you heard about it. Maybe you didn't. The Nintendo Switch, the new console from Nintendo. I've heard about it. So Um, the idea is that it's almost like a, um, uh, it's a tablet that you can take with you, but then you can also uh, put it up on the screen. So you can keep playing wherever you go. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. So portability is now the new uh, video game uh, thing. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> that would be like the the days of old school Nintendo where you would have to pause it, right. go away for a day, yeah, and then, and then come, come back, back to in order it. to keep playing. Now you could just never leave it. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I think I would almost say year out for the technology you're in, but for the purpose year out, only because kids have enough distractions mm-hmm. they should get outside a little more it's a cool concept well Don't they're gonna get wrong. outside they could just keep playing video games while they're outside yeah but then they'll <laughs> they'll knock into a tree because they're yeah it's totally fine <laughs> oh, they okay. need to learn they need to learn that trees are deadly oh okay it's one lesson that i don't think we teach enough yes all right year in or year out cal pen 
the actor. You're in. Yeah. Did you hear about what uh, just happened with him and how much money he's raised? Yes. I love this story. So basically he got trolled on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Hey, why don't you go home? Why don't you go back to your country? Something along those lines. So he decided to start for Syrian refugees. It was uh, some sort of crowdfunding uh, thing. I can't remember which platform I think it was, it was GoFundMe. Thank you. And I don't know how much he was expecting, but last count, and I don't know if this is accurate, I saw it like a couple of different stories. It was at 170, then it was 200. I think I just read that it was at $370,000. Yep. So in the name of the troll that trolled him, which yes. I think that was my favorite part. Stick so, it to the trolls. Nice job, Cal Penn. It's awesome. All right, and last question. This is the most important one. Cobbler, year in or year out? Cobbler as in the dessert? Yes. Um, I'm not a real big sweets person, so I'll say year out. Okay, cobbler or pie, if you had the choice. Or you're like, nope. Um, I, I like pumpkin pie once a year. Mm-hmm. That's about it, though. Interesting. I don't really do sweets. I don't like chocolate. Like, just a weirdo. Okay, I'm going to tally up your score while I'm doing that. Oh, oh you didn't know it was scored? Uh-oh. Because it's not. I failed. Uh, so we had Darcy Ricciardi uh, here last week, and she had a question for you, if you wouldn't mind uh, answering that as well. And reading the question, too. That'd be Sure. Nice. Question for the next guest. Do you have a radio voice? Do you have a version of your voice you use on air? No. So you've no, been on the radio, you've been down to WPRK a couple of times, Yeah. Uh, so you don't really take on, because my voice, I mean, let's let's face it, my voice is like this in normal life, <laughs> and this is my radio voice. <laughs> so, yeah, so you don't put on airs. No, I don't, I don't think so. I wouldn't be like this, like do bridges and stuff. This is WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Oh, you should do that. <laughs> Can you do like an English accent? Hello, this is WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Very good. All right. I like that. And we'll end it on that. Uh, we've got some other stuff coming up with Jen Vargas. Stay tuned. And if you missed anything, it'll be up on the website at some point. You're listening to WPRK to a certain degree. And that's why Chipmunk is my favorite ice cream flavor. Oh, we're back on. Uh, good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. This is WPRK Winter Park, Florida. I'm here with Jen Vargas. Jen, thank you again for being here. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, and we have, you know, we have a quarter of the show is gone, Jen. It's gone. And That's it's been so, so good so far. So it goes pretty fast. It's a two hour show, but it feels like a one hour and 45 minute show really is what I try to do is make people comfortable, make them laugh, that sort of thing. Well, that's just a testament to you that it goes so fast and people are so comfortable. <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> So, Jen, you studied filmmaking. I did. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was sort of the change. And you, you were kind of growing up around the same time I was. You're, you're younger. Mm -hmm. uh, but so early 90s, early to mid 90s was a bit of a shift in the movie industry. So yes. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, for the most part, blame it on Kevin Smith and Clerks. <laughs> I know there was a lot more to it. He'll love that. But that was the big thing that happened, right? Like this idea that anybody could be a filmmaker that you could do it on a low budget and you could make money uh, was something that was slightly different than how I think the movie industry had been run because it was run more like the the music industry for a long time. Yeah. And so at, towards the end of the 90s, you had all this technology becoming more available, cheaper, easier to use, all of those things. You could edit stuff more easily. You could do all those things. And then uh, you all of a sudden in 2000s, you could distribute it. 
Mm-hmm. So you didn't need the same channels. You could do stuff on Vimeo and show what you could do and, and all those other things. Thanks, YouTube. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks, YouTube. That that was one thing you got, right? <laughs> so how did you get into it? And what was that big shift for you? Or how do you see the industry going? Like, I, I find it hard to keep up with stuff and the technology and the, the different things that are out there. The, <laughs> it, it's it's hard to to find something that doesn't, fade in relevancy as soon as it comes out whether it's from a post-production standpoint whether it's from a gear standpoint right the cam the resolution oh now we've got a million k so you gotta have that camera oh yeah they were at at ces this year they already had well ces last year actually they had 8k televisions already (laughs) people can't like you can't project an 8k i don't need to see every pore on somebody's face right you can already do that with 4k you can even to a degree to a certain degree do that with 1080 thank you 1080p so i mean all right so let's take it back a step from the technology because it is difficult to keep up with but let's talk a little bit of how you got into uh filmmaking like why was that why did that become a passion for you well i was into theater Mm-hmm. all growing up and the being able to tell a story and keep people entertained had always fascinated me and i actually <laughs> my we could credit quentin tarantino's reservoir dogs with a lot of that indie filmmaking sure. revolution i loved how quentin married music to image and it was the perfect like You've got like hooked on a feeling when the guys come out and they're walking and mm-hmm. that slow-mo in the beginning and that just the way that he married that, I wanted to become a music supervisor for film. That was my first Oh, interesting. Because music had always been my love. Mm-hmm. Being a filmmaker kind of helped flesh that out a little more in telling the story. There were no music supervisor classes here. <laughs> so right. unfortunately... I was always great with, I could always, I always had an ear for a soundtrack, Mm -hmm. like, or in film school, I would always want to put this song with this shot or something like that. And obviously with copyright, you can't exactly do that and show it, but for little film projects, it You can kind of get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Get away with it, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. And in telling the story, just watching, this is very silly, but watching Back to the Future trilogy, watching Back to the Future 3 in particular kind of got my wheels in motion for that. I just was never really sure I wanted to commit mm-hmm. to film school only because I knew it was a lot of work and everybody wanted to be a director. And aside from the music supervision, I didn't know what my place was. I knew it wasn't necessarily in front of the camera, but I wasn't sure if I was technical enough to be behind the some of the other things that you need to do. Cause there's a lot, obviously there is that goes on behind the camera, especially when you're an indie, you're wearing five hats right. at least. So did you want to write as well? Did you want to make your own or you had these visions for movies or was it always like you, you're, you want to support the art and the story? Um, obviously service to the story mm-hmm. is number one for me. I'm, I'm a make things happen kind of person. Yep. With whatever you have. So in film school, I wanted to be just, I kind of wanted to be a camera operator, but, and no offense to anyone, all the guys wanted to be on camera all the time. 
<laughs> like they would never, there were very few girls in my film school. And that doesn't sound like guys at all. No, it doesn't. That's not my experience with them. <laughs> but I could never really get my hands on a camera. And I'm, I'm, I can be alpha. Like I'll, I have no qualms in standing up for myself and opening my big mouth and getting myself into trouble. But no, I know you actually threatened me to be on the show. I today. did. Yeah, I did. So it was great. I had another guest. You came up, you know, said you're leaving. No, and they did. Go away. <laughs> Yeah, I I've I would never be afraid to stand up for myself and whatever and it it just I kind of got pushed into producing more for the simple fact that I actually took my film school experience seriously. Mm-hmm. I would do all my overheads in PowerPoint. I would have all my lighting plots, my blocking, uh scripting, breakdowns, all of that stuff I would have ready to go for whatever shoot we were doing, whether it was a car commercial or like a little narrative project or even just a, a script to screen kind of study, I would be the serious one. So I kind of got got dumped into the producing category and it it sounds like it fit your personality and everything else yeah. though. So you're you're getting the stuff done. You're pushing it through in many ways. Yeah. And and at the time, <laughs> which was a, a crazy study of uh, personalities and in, in, in human interaction. I was working in human resources mm-hmm. at a local theme park at the time. So that was kind of a, a school for producing and being just dealing with different personalities, dealing with different egos and all of that. So producing worked well for me. I, I tend to be diplomatic, even though I will stand up for story or a person or a cause, I will always make sure that we're covered from a production standpoint. We have the lights we need, we have the craft service we need, we have the location that we need locked down and secure and not just like, oh, I think we can shoot here tomorrow, so. That would be bad if you're planning (laughs) to shoot somewhere and uh, no, you can't do that. I've been on productions where that was the case. So let me ask you this. When you're doing like I have a problem with basically just locking into something, whether it's a script or whether it's something I'm writing, you know, if I'm I'm doing a blog post, I'll look at that two months later and go, well, I have to rewrite that now. Right. So during a film, you have some options. This is what I'm assuming. So please tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, You have opportunity maybe to improv a scene or two or a line or two or maybe some rewrites here or there. Do you ever find yourself when you're producing something going, oh, okay, that's, that sounds great, and I wish you had had that idea six months ago, but we have to do it this way in order to get it done. Do you find um, that like you have to play bad cop a little bit? With that's kind of the double-edged sword of indie filmmaking is that when you're beholden to a studio, you pretty much have to do what they say. Oh, sure. Whether or not you're the author or screenwriter, whether or not you're the producer, like, Whatever the studio dictates, you, you're you getting paid to do, so mm-hmm. you have to do it. With indies, you're not on a time schedule. You're not necessarily on a shooting time schedule. So if you need to do five takes versus just the two you really just have time for, you can do that. So it's, it's not, I don't know, it's a, a bit more diplomacy is involved in that way. Because you don't, a lot of the times you have actors or crew working for scale or for free. Right. 
So if somebody wants to do something one way, just so you've captured it, you've placated them a bit, then just do it and move on. And they'll be pleased with the final product, no matter what. Either way, just the longer they got to try that direction or try that scene the way they thought that it it should go. And who knows, in, in the odd way, it may work out better. All right. Well, let me ask you about visual storytelling in general. So we talk a little bit about Snapchat and we talk a little bit about social media and blogging and things of that nature. Everything's changed on the uh, job side as well, on the employment side. Mm -hmm. So being a visual storyteller is much more important than it used to be. Yes. I would say it's it's key for some industries and some professions. Like if you're in social media, you're in marketing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was always kind of important. Social media just started existing about 10 years ago, but it was always kind of important to do that. I think you can't not do that. So how would you, so I've got two kids, how would you convey visual storytelling or how would you start teaching that to, to kids, for example? To break down the process? Yeah, because oh. pretend I'm a kid. And so basically I don't understand it. Like I've tried doing some videos on my own and, you know, I think I like you get ambitious, right? Like I'll film, well, I'll film this and I'll film this and then I'll do this and then I'll edit it together on something that I have and it never happens. So how do you start out with uh, an easy way to approach things? I'd be more pragmatic about it. I'd sit them down with probably a, a live action film that they like. And just say, okay, let's watch five minutes of this film. Watch how many times, watch how many angles they shoot. Mm. Watch how many, how many people are in what scene and in what direction they're looking. That way you can, you, you don't cross the 180 and you teach them the purpose of the 180. And you can, th- I think that giving them a visual for the visual helps a lot. Mm-hmm. So if they if they can learn from like all of the filmmakers will always say, oh, I watched this movie, this Hitchcock movie was great and I loved it. And the the Dutch tilts and all this other stuff. It's like watch something that you enjoy and then take notes from there. And then also I I would I would recommend reading scripts like taking a just a simple script online and seeing familiarizing yourself with the script format and what goes where and when. How the direction goes Correct. and how that's inserted and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's hard for me is like when I start watching a movie, I want to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. So I miss some of that. Sometimes it strikes me. Yeah. Um, like I remember the first time you were talking about music. The first time I really was aware of music in a movie uh, was probably, you know, like an Indiana Jones or Star Wars or something oh, yeah. like that. Uh, later on, later on. Yeah, like something like Reservoir Dogs came along and that was so intrinsic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Anderson, uh, Sofia Coppola, like when the, you really have the music integrated in there. Yeah. And so I find myself like if it's a really good movie or even if the, the music is done correctly, if it's not a great movie, but the music is done correctly, mm-hmm. it keeps bringing me back in. So I'll miss like the, oh, that's that's an interesting way that they shot that. I'm like, no, that's he kills that guy there. That's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's indicative of the types of movies that I watch. So great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that's a that's good advice. Yeah, it always helps to to learn from people who have been there, even on the most basic level. And if it, it's the same thing with they say, if you can't explain a concept to a 
kindergartner, then you probably don't know it well yourself. Right. If Every, you can't teach it, yeah. Correct. You're, you're not, maybe not that uh, well-versed in it as you thought. Yeah, and everybody, I mean, filmmaking is going to be an ongoing process. The only thing that isn't going to change are the lenses and the lights. Yeah. So that's, you can have mobile tech, you can shoot on DSLRs, you can shoot on 35 millimeter. People still shoot on film, believe it or not. So all of that stuff, the technology will always change, but your lenses and your lights will always stay the same. Got it. So, so let me ask you about uh, short films versus longer films. Yep. So long films, and I, you know, I know a little bit about it. So you've got the story arc, you've got the three acts, you've done all that. For shorter films, you mentioned doing a 48-hour challenge recently, and there are other ones that you would do because shorter films are, in many ways, I think a little more challenging to do than the longer films because you're trying to tell a story in a much shorter and more compact way. So is it different? Is it just the way you approach everything about it different? Is there a story arc? Do you do the three acts in a short film? How does that work exactly? Oh, yeah. for Well, for a feature, you've got 90 minutes of storytelling mm -hmm. and arcs and obstacles and everything. With a short, it could be 20 minutes. It could be four minutes. Like with Film Slam, I think the shortest film I've screened is 30 seconds. But it told a cohesive story beginning, middle, and end in that 30 seconds. In 30 seconds? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would not have thought that was possible. And it And it is. I mean, you're... A lot of people overcomplicate the storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's like you want to say, guy loves a girl, guy tries to get the girl, in the end he gets the girl. There are going to be obstacles and things along the way, but keeping it simple for a, especially a new filmmaker or a short filmmaker, yeah, you can do little tricks and graphic and all that stuff, but your your story, you should always serve the story. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Story it up. Story. Okay. Sage advice. <laughs> Don't forget to story it up. That's right. All right. Uh, let me ask you one more thing about digital. You mentioned 35 millimeter, digital versus 35 millimeter. Yep. Do you have any preference? Do you have any, like, I have to see it in that super Quentin Tarantino widescreen, <laughs> you know, when it first comes out letterbox and it's, it's gorgeous, right? Like, I mean, it's right. beautiful um, and everything. Do, do you have a preference when it comes to that sort of thing? Do I have a preference of whether I want to see film? Well, I guess two things. So do you want, when you're seeing film, do you mm -hmm. prefer, like, are you a classic 35 millimeter person? Do you want to see it? Are you okay with IMAX and digital and all that? And then secondly, when you're filming, when you, you know, you, when you are working on a project, would you prefer to work on one or the other? Um, I've worked on both in film school. I've shot 16, I've shot 35. And then of course I've shot digital. Um, I prefer digital only because it's the workflow that I'm most familiar with. Mm -hmm. In film school, it was 16 and 35 were projects that we had to do. And I'm very thankful that we don't have to splice celluloid anymore. Uh -huh. I'm very thankful that we don't have to do reel to reel in, in editing. And very thankful that if, if I screw up on the light meter, that my film would be exposed incorrectly. I'm very thankful that I can mess that up a little bit in, in digital. And then fix it post. later. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they say fix it in post. I'm not a big proponent of that. But if something happens, yeah. I could fix it in post. With right. shooting on film, unless you really know what you're doing, can't really do that. That reel's wasted. You have to go reshoot. 
However, shout out to Kodak because they're awesome. And the artisans that shoot on film still are amazing. I, that's just not my skill set. So I'd prefer. Well, I think that's interesting because that's what made it more accessible, right? Was the move to digital. Yes. Was the fact that I could now shoot a movie on my cell phone, mm-hmm. edit it on my cell phone and post it on my cell phone. Right. Uh, which I, I'm not going to do, by the way, because I'm not that good at it. <laughs> I've done that. Have you? I've done that short, little short things on Adobe Clip that I you can. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, you can do transitions. You can do tiling. You can do pretty much anything. So how do you, okay, one last question, then we're, we're going to cut to break. This has been a great conversation about uh, filmmaking and things of that nature with Jen Vargas Ooh. to a certain degree. Film is not dead. Uh, it is 100% not. How do you get past this idea? Because you can get uh, creative blocks anywhere, right? In the writing process, in the filming process. I think where it really affects me is in the editing process. Mm-hmm. So you have all this stuff. Ugh. You shot all this stuff. You know, what is what makes one take better than the other? And then let's say, and take it back a step even further, you, you are creatively blocked on trying to put something together. You know the story you're trying to tell, but you're not sure exactly the way to go. How do you get over that when you're in the editing process? We usually ask about it in the creative process, like in the writing or, right. you know, the artistic process. But this is just as important and, in fact, just as artistic as I think some of the other things. Yeah, the <laughs> in post-production and in the editing room, it's where hearts are broken. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just face facts. That <laughs> you collect all this footage when you're in principal photography. You you get the extra takes if you want to. You, you placate the producer. You placate the screenwriter. You placate the actor. And then on the editing floor is where a lot of that stuff falls because it just doesn't work out. Um, it's... It's unfortunate that, you know, you have to, you have a certain story that you go in wanting to tell. Right. And then in the, in the editing room, it just kind of meanders off to something else. Well, you might think that this was very clear. I mean, it's script writing, right? It's art. So you're writing a script. You think it's very clear in your head. You shoot it. It may even seem super clear there, but when you get it and you're seeing it on screen, uh, especially if you're seeing it for the 107th time. Yes. Uh, it may be like, what? wait, is this clear why he's doing this or why she's going there or things of that nature? Yeah. So, yeah, what do you, you just step away? Just like, yes, I'm going to come back to this. Yeah, the stepping away is is mandatory. Getting extra sets of eyes on it is mandatory. I was mandatory. curious about that because, the, you know, there's that too many cooks in the kitchen. But I think for mm-hmm. something like a visual storytelling, like you have to come in and see, does this make sense? Yeah. You know, and, and it could be anybody. It could be your son it could be your neighbor it could be someone who's not it, it would actually be better if someone who is not in the production right area. right doesn't have a vested interest and in, right you know what this needs is more of me in it <laughs> i know a few filmmakers that right? never happens <laughs> that never happens well thank you jen uh we are going to take a quick break we're going to play some music and uh let's go with the low anthem with champion angel and then we're going to come back with bad business ideas we're going to talk about the Women's March, which Ooh. you attended. Uh, a little bit more about some of the projects that you're working on. So we've got Film Slam. We've got Central Florida Top 5. You basically have your finger in everything. So <laughs> Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff there. And we're going to come back after song, break, song. Back with Jen Vargas on To a Certain Degree. Will you stick around? Has this been okay so far? Um, yeah, yeah, I think I will. Okay, great. Great. We're going <laughs> to film a bunch of stuff while these songs are playing. So you can see that later. I'm just kidding. We're not going to film anything. <laughs> You're listening to WPRK Winter Park, Florida. 
The Devil Makes Three on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. That was from their new album, Redemption and Ruin. What would you give in exchange for your soul? My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. And that's an appropriate song to play right before we do Bad Business Ideas. And I think that since we're doing the movie edition here with Jen Vargas, Jen Vargas, good morning. Good morning. I like saying, you know, what I should do is say your name at the beginning and the end of every sentence. Jen Vargas, good morning, Jen Vargas. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Nick. Yeah, Please. that's too long. Never that's mind. <laughs> All right. So, Jen, may I call you Jen? Yes, you may. Great. So, movies inspire people. So, we're talking about movies. Uh, it's a big part of the conversation today. You do Film Slam. You're uh, a movie maker, filmmaker, but uh, on in all sorts of roles and things like that. Sometimes, you know, you're inspired by the great cinematography, by the direction, uh, by how a certain actor portrays a, a character, something along those lines. What else? Locations. Like, oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. Look at that. The sound effects. The the gaffers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the best boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Didn't realize you were also a Foley artist. That's great. <laughs> Sometimes you're inspired by the product placement, but that doesn't do anything for me. What I'm looking for when I watch a movie is the next bad business idea. That's what I do. That's why, that's why I open my eyes in the morning. I'm just looking for bad business ideas okay. all around. They could be anywhere. They come from any movie at any time. So I've got a list. Uh, and seeing as you're a movie expert, you're going to find the Oscar winner among them. Oh, boy. <laughs> so actually, normally what I have is uh, just two bad business ideas. For you, I have four. What? Yeah. Are you ready? I am I am so ready. All right. So some of these movies, I don't know if you've seen all these movies. Okay. So let's start with an older one, War Games. Did okay. you ever see that? I have. Everyone remembers this Matthew Broderick classic movie where I, I don't remember exactly. They invented online tic-tac-toe or something. I'm not sure. Because there was a scene at the beginning of the movie, <coughs> pardon you, and uh, and after that, I just didn't pay attention because I was so fascinated with it. And you may remember the scene. They're sitting down to dinner. Matthew Broderick's character, David, and his family are sitting down to dinner. Dad takes a piece of bread, butters it like he's going to die tomorrow, right? Like there's so much butter on this bread. And then he takes the corn on the cob and he uses the bread to deliver the butter to the corn genius smart genius genius i love it so idea number one butter buns we create a line of dinner rolls the perfect shape for butter delivery butter buns so keep that in mind okay let's go back even further jaws what did jaws teach us not to go out into the water never go swimming in the ocean never go out on the boat in the ocean nature hates us and wants to kill us all the time especially with no that's why i'm in orlando yes i don't want to it's not as far as i could get from the ocean i guess but it's pretty far so, having said that, it did give us a way to improve sushi. Do you like sushi? No, I'm okay. allergic to seafood. That's fine. Me too. I mean, I like sushi. So, I just wrote that <laughs> in the script that it said me too. I assumed you would like sushi. But, fine. You don't like it? That's fine. This is still a bad business idea, and you still might like the bad business idea and not sushi. It's delightful. It's possibly healthy. I don't know. Sushi is, is good in general, so I'm sorry. But the problem with sushi is it takes a long time, right? They have to cut it. They have to roll it. They have to cut it again. I, I don't really understand it. But what did Jaws teach us? Take a canister of compressed air, take a gun, boom, instant sushi. So, second idea, fast fish or chum rush, whichever you want to call it, either one. Mm. So it's, okay, so we've got two ideas so far. Okay. Still with me. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I didn't. I'm feel, taking it in. Didn't feel the sentiment there. Uh, <laughs> something a little more modern now. It's a theme that comes up a lot in movies, but for our purposes, let's talk about The Matrix. Okay. Good movie. Did you see it? Yes. Did you see the sequels? Yes. I'm sorry? 
I did. No, I'm sorry. You saw the sequel. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, basically, it's a story. I mean, it's it's told thousands of times over thousands of years. You know, help humans build robots. Robots get smart. Robots overthrow man. There are cave paintings about this theme. I mean, yeah. so what if we were to build robots, stay with me here, that don't kill or enslave us? I don't mean never build robots. I mean, just take the murder software out, right? Hmm. How hard could that be? So the name for this one is Happy Fun Time Non-Murder Robots Unlimited. You may need to work on the name, but, you know, you're going to take one of these ideas and run with them. So that's what you're doing here today. So out of these four, Butter Buns, Fast Fish, Chum Rush actually is a better name. Happy Fun Time Non-Murder Robots Unlimited. Maybe an acronym in there. The last one. Best Picture winner from 2015. Do you remember what that was? The artist? This, uh, it was Spotlight. Are you familiar? Oh. It was the about the Boston Globe. Yes, 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 yes. Great cast, great movie. It's set back in 2001, so I'm not sure how historically accurate it is. You know how movies are sometimes set in the past, take liberties with some things. Mm-hmm. 2001 was a long time ago. We don't know how people lived back then. What I found interesting was the idea of where they work. Do you remember this part? I, it was like, it was the Boston Globe. It was like a daily paper of some kind. Do you remember paper? Yeah. That, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I they do. printed the news on it, right? Like, the, ridiculous. Sounds far-fetched, doesn't it? That, that so sounds so... These paper with news, they ancient. actually had writers that would report on stuff that was happening. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. What if we were to bring back that concept, though? Instead of paper, you know, where they investigate things and they write it down and pe- and they're keeping, you know, crazy people in check, like the people in power. Something Facts, something about right, facts. Right, right, right. Uh, we'll huh. do it online. And instead of investigating and reporting on the news, we'll just publish clickbait lists and rumors about celebrities. Maybe we make up a few things that help drive traffic and even potentially influence events. So I call this idea fake news. Hmm. Yep. All right. Clever. There's probably more out there that are inspired by the movies, but now you've got your table is set with four choices. Butter buns, chum rush, happy fun time non-murder robots unlimited, or fake news? Hmm. Jen, who do you give the rose to? We're going to do this Bachelor style today since there's four choices. Well, I've, I've got to channel my inner or Kevin O'Leary. And um, Chum Rush, not down with. Well, yeah, since you're allergic to it, you probably don't want to do any of the testing or the stuff that goes along with it. No. Also, you know, it's gun related, so that's not great. No, yeah. no, that's not good. Listen, I didn't make Jaws. I think somebody fairly famous did. So you got to blame him. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. How about butter buns? I, I'm, I'm leaning toward that because it's simple. Yeah. And genius. <laughs> I didn't even come up with the idea. It's somebody yeah, just, else. There. Done. Exactly. A happy fun time, non-murder robots unlimited. That's so boring. Non-murdery robots is yeah. boring. That's so boring. You know, I didn't think of it that way. Right. Like, how would life be interesting with robots if they don't try to murder us? Right. Okay. No, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. You'd have a bunch of Rosies from the Jetsons just sort of hanging out, being friendly. Yeah. Oh, that would be boring. That's boring. Okay. And fake news. This is a stretch. I don't think that one would actually work. (sighs) I I don't know. That that really is far-fetched. Yeah. I don't, I don't, (sighs) it's, it's such an archaic idea. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And nobody would be possibly influenced no. by something like that. That would be Come silly. On, okay, so we're going to go with butter buns. We're going to take this off air. We're going to talk a little bit more about it, some of the deets. 
Yes. That's short for details. Oh, okay. I just learned that from the kids. Nice shorthand. The kids these days. Oh. I feel so old. <laughs> uh, okay, so butter buns. Uh, if anybody's listening to this and they want to take it, this idea, and run with it, just by listening to this show, you've signed an NDA. You cannot take any of these ideas. I don't know if you knew this. Oh, um, also, okay. you're legally obligated to run with this idea. So I know we. it seems like I'm joking about it. But yeah, by being on the show, you've agreed to take this idea, work on it 24-7 until it makes money for you and for me. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll run with that. So let's take a break. Uh, we're going to hear from Steve Earle with I Feel All Right on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Steve Earle on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. That was I Feel All Right. And I feel all right because Jen Vargas is here. Hello. That was as radio-y as I get for segues. <laughs> oh, that's... Jen Vargas is here. Hey. And I feel all right. Hey, how's it going, Jen Vargas? Good Jen Vargas. morning. All right. So we won't do radio voices anymore. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jen, you're here for a number of different reasons. You're going to promote some stuff a little bit later on. I do want to talk about Film Slam. But yes. first, I want to get back into music for a second. Sure. So, uh, I always ask what your favorite band is of my guests. And so you put Sting slash Police. Yes. And The Monkees. Yes. Which I found very, very different on the scale of music. Like, that's poppy and stuff like that, but a little bit different. Yeah. So how did you get into The Monkees? Just watching Nickelodeon back in the 80s. Oh, because they used to have the TV show on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the, the second resurgence of, of the, the television show just went to Nickelodeon, then yeah. I think went to MTV and... Caught the show, thought it was funny and awesome, and the music was super catchy. Super and catchy and poppy. My first concert was uh, the Monkees. Weird Al opened for them. <laughs> it, it was great. That's amazing. It was a, an amazing first concert. That is remarkable. Yeah. So how about the police and uh, Mr. Sting? Is that his last name? Mr. Sting. No. Senor Sting. El Sting. Yes. <laughs> no, it's uh, Gordon Sumner is his name. Sure it is. That so. doesn't sound like a real name. You're like, sounds like a made up name. Sting, but Sting is, is real. real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you know where he got that name? From a sweater he wore. Yeah. Yeah. Black and yellow sweater. And then mm -hmm. they started calling him Sting. Yeah, I never get that. I'll wear all. I'll wear sweaters all the time. I wear like two or three sweaters at a time. No one has come up with a cool <laughs> nickname for me yet. Aw, right? Like sweater V neck? No, nothing. That's a little on the nose. No, I think you could. Okay, so it's kind of red. You could purpley. You could come up with something better than that. I I am an expert on purple. I'm not an expert on much or anything, but I am an expert on purple. That is not purple. Okay, I've never heard anybody say those words in that order. So yes. thank you for that. You're welcome. So Sting and the Police. How did you get into them? Um, my aunt had a very like classic rock taste, I guess. Mm -hmm. In, in her car where she used to drive a uh, Firebird and was just very sassy. My aunt was very sassy. So she introduced me to Van Halen 1984 mm -hmm. and a lot of the different classics. And she had a police album in there and it just kind of stuck. Yeah. It was, I've, I've been a fan of the police as long as I've been a fan of the monkeys. Oh, nice. And then okay, so when that was Sting, your two starts. Yeah. Yeah. And then when Sting went solo. Solo, yep. He got a jazz vibe and then he did the loot stuff and I'm, 
I embrace most of it. Some of it's kind of out there even for me, but for the most part, his solo stuff has been solid. Yeah, some of it's a little too adult contemporary Jaguar commercials kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that part, but it's still yeah. one of the best songwriters, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, out there. Yeah, easily. His, his new album... Uh, 57th and 9th, I think is what it's called. Oh, didn't even know he had one. Yeah, he had a new album that came out either the beginning of this year. I think it was the beginning of this year or late last year. It was, it, it's okay. It doesn't have as many commercial hits on it. It has some songs that are really good, but just know, like you, you play Synchronicity, you can point out all the hits from that. You play Ten Summoner's Tales, you can definitely point out the hits in that. But for the new album, I think there's maybe one or two. Well, let me ask you this. Listening to songs in your aunt's car, listening to albums mm -hmm. all over the place, uh, do you remember a time when albums, and do you think it's different now, when albums actually had a through line, when they actually put them together in a conscious way to, to be played all together? Oh, when when they kind of had a narrative? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I like that when the concept albums and things, um, Michael Nesmith from the monkeys actually had a couple of concept albums. One was called the prison. One was called the garden. And this was like late seventies, early eighties. And there is a storybook that comes with, that came with the, the album you press play and then you start reading from a certain point and it's like a movies in your mind kind of thing. Oh boy. And he actually has a, a newer album called movies of the mind which is really cool. I mean, the music may, may be an acquired taste for some, mm. but just the, the fact that he was so forward thinking even back then to where you can not just have liner notes, but a story to read with your music. That's, he's just awesome. Nice. So we talked a little bit about how Reservoir Dogs was the, one of the first times you really noticed the music in the movie, yes. right? Like, the movie was built around the music in some cases. Mm -hmm. uh, like he, it, it, I would imagine, and I haven't read much on his interviews and stuff like that, but he has a very specific vision in mind for a, for a scene where I would imagine the music is already in his head. Like yeah. He doesn't film it like a Star Wars movie where they'll film everything and they kind of edit it and then John Williams comes in and does his, because he's magic. Yes, he is magic. Let's face it. Uh, whereas people who are using uh, music that's already been produced or music of a certain era they have to sort of build it around it. And so from a storytelling standpoint, maybe how have you used music uh, and some of the stuff that you've done? We talked about editing a little bit earlier. And then how do you see it being used currently in like uh, popular media done well and maybe done, it eh, could be done better. <laughs> well, music in, in film school definitely helped me a lot and inspired me because obviously with copyright, you can't really, can't publicly screen anything without having the rights to. Right. So you can't just pull music. anything. Yeah. 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 But just having, getting different ideas from songs that I've heard or I woke up and felt moody. So I wanted to listen to a Duncan Sheik album or something. And oh, that there springs an idea for a short film mm -hmm. or something that to me, that's, that's kind of how I get inspired. I'm, I'm very like my, the jukebox in my head is very random. So inspiration comes from the strangest places. Yeah. So that uh, from here to from here to now, I, I wouldn't be able to even say, oh, 
what is your process? What is your, what is your, uh, step by step? And I was like, good question. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so it has to, it has to fit the mood. And what I find interesting is like, you were talking about being a uh, music supervisor, yeah. right? Like, so does that role, would that role help in terms of, okay, here's the scene that we have. What kind of music do we have available for that? Or what kind of music might be, we be able to get? Because sometimes you have budget constraints, sometimes, right. you know, you have to, you talked about rights and stuff like that. Yeah. Is that kind of what the music supervisor does on a movie? Yeah. They, they would uh, acquire the licensing from the, the publishers and mm-hmm. the artist and whatnot and see what kind of what they're asking versus the budget of the film. Right. So they, they also would have obviously have to have an ear for music, but you need to make sure that all your eyes are dotted, all your T's are crossed and the contract and everything oh, yeah. else. Cause it's complicated, right? Like it's very complicated, not only the release of the movie, but then it's the online distribution of the movie Absolutely. and this, that and the other thing. And it's gotten so like video on demand and, whether it plays online and if it's available via mobile and if it streams for a certain amount of time and there's, it's not as cut and dry as, Oh, is it showing on a screen big or little? That's it. So have you worked with somebody and you know, you've talked about producing different projects and things of that nature. So you've never been necessarily a music supervisor, but you've maybe worn that hat a bit when you have to wear a producer, I would imagine wears a number of different hats. Yeah. Unfortunately I've not worked on anything that's had a budget or a need for someone to do that. So, well then how do you help when it comes to, cause you have to have music in certain right. projects. So how do you help in terms of trying to find the right song for free or asking somebody for the rights to the song or like, you know, going hat in hand and saying, Hey, would really would really make this film or this project if we could use your song. Well, there are a lot of royalty-free options out there for mm-hmm. filmmakers, which is great. Whether it's instrumental, whether it's more of a poppy throwaway song that you would need to run over end credits or something. That is very helpful for the independent filmmaker or just somebody trying to put music underneath a, a scene. Right. Generally. And also, um, if you are a Mac user, if you use iMovie or uh, Final Cut Pro, they have music that's already been pre-licensed. Oh, in the system. Yeah, I think it's London Symphony Orchestra was one of them. and Interesting. That, that you can use that at will, which is great. But the problem is, is it's a limited library and it can just get very repetitive after Well, while. yeah, you have a lot of people with that software. And so you want to oh, go yeah. out there and find something a little more unique and things of that nature. Yeah, I can always tell on a commercial, especially local commercials, mm-hmm. what sound library they've used based on the, <laughs> the underscore. What's right there. Oh, yeah. So we talked a little bit about... Um, uh, the music from the movies, but what about the soundtracks? So, you know, you have the Quentin Tarantino's of the world that are using uh, music that's already out there. Mm-hmm. What about the soundtrack? Because the soundtracks are, in many cases, are classical music, modern classical music, right? Right. Um, how do you feel? We talked a little bit about John Williams, but how do you feel about that part of uh, music, and how does that make you feel when you're watching a film? Oh, I love it. I love it. The Some people are very literal, Mm-hmm. in what they choose to use as their soundtrack or their scoring even. Some people use a song that completely random, that just the visual and the tone of the story just happens to fit. Like, um, Stuck in the Middle with You, I wouldn't think of cutting an officer's ear off 
listening that to song. that. Yeah. But for the scene, it worked. And for something so gruesome, it was kind of comical at the same time. Well, it made it even more gruesome, right? Oh, yeah. Like you're listening to something like if it was a score and there was a lot of violins going on in the background, right. you know, like a Jaws sort of thing. Oh, my god. You gosh. know something bad is going to happen. Right. But stuck on a feeling like uh, it, the, the scene becomes even more disparate in terms of uh, that. Yeah. The fact that he's uh, that Michael Madsen's character is dancing around yeah. <laughs> with, with a blade, just all bloody and stuff. And he's talking to an ear. We should say spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. In case you spoiler. haven't seen Reservoir Dogs. Go see Reservoir Dogs. Please go, go see it at the theater. It's out yes. now. Uh, okay, so <laughs> let's play some more music. Uh, let's play, you know what, this struck me as a song that I would play in a movie. This is a breakup song. Oh. So I want to see what you think about it, what kind of scene you would put this in. This is uh, Joshua Radden, Radin, not sure, uh, featuring Patty Griffin. You got a lot of growing up to do. I'm not trying to tell you anything, Jen. <laughs> this is not pointed at you, probably. I, I can't help how tall I am, so... <laughs> And you'll hear that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. And I was waiting for that sudden drop. That was Into It, Over It, Where Your Nights Often End on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Starting off that set was Joshua Radin featuring Patty Griffin with You Got a Lot of Grown Up to Do. Hey, someone who doesn't have a lot of grown up to do is Jen Vargas. <laughs> and she's here on That's a debatable. to a certain degree. My name is Nick. Thanks for coming out again. Thanks for having me. And I'm going to ask you some questions now. We got a little bit of a pop quiz <gasps> and uh, current events I'm scared. quiz. No, it's fine. You'll do great. You'll do great. Uh, or maybe not. But, you know, <laughs> do you keep up on current events? Do you feel like you're up on current events? You're on Twitter a lot. So I would imagine yeah. you see stuff going on. Especially recently. Yeah, I've been more informed, I guess. Uh, this is stuff that happened in the last week. So you should do okay. Okay. It's recent. It's literally the most recent news I could find. Okay. It's not at all. If anything, I'll, I can do Twitter, tweet a friend, right? Right, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can ask for help at any given time. Sweet. We heard from the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists this week. Are you familiar with their work? Yes. They keep track of the doomsday clock. Yes. Uh, which basically shows us how close we are to the destruction of mankind. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, they moved it from 11.55 p.m., so five minutes until midnight, to 11.57 so Armageddon obviously happens at midnight. In the most recent move, what time is it? Is it two and a half minutes until midnight? Is it 11.59 and 59 seconds? Or is it time to get ill? <laughs> time? <laughs> is it time to get ill? Is it time to get ill? <laughs> it's always time to get ill. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, two and a half minutes. That is correct. It's not actually the closest we've ever been, though. So the closest was back in 1953 when the U.S. and the Soviet Union were testing hydrogen bombs. That's when they put it to... 11.58. So this fair. is the first time they've done a 30-second increment, though, mm. which is unusual. Hey, let's go to more uplifting mm. news. Yay! Two men in New York were arrested. Why? Ponzi scheme. They were accused of starting up and collecting $81 million in a Ponzi scheme. What was one of the main items they were Ponzi-ing? I'm not sure what the verb is there. Mm. Was it A, Girl Scout cookies? B, tickets for the musical Hamilton, or C, avocados? Ooh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Mm. My gut instinct is to say Hamilton, but I'm thinking that might be too easy. Uh, 
we'll say Girl Scout cookies. That would have been an interesting one, but no, it is Hamilton. It you is? Okay. With your gut. Yeah, so they convinced about 125 people in 13 states that they had a deal in place to buy 35,000 tickets to Hamilton. What? And so they raised $81 million to okay. do that. Now, they were going to do other stuff. There was also mention of Adele tickets and things of that nature. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that it's not like property. It's not like something that you would see in a normal Ponzi scheme. It's right. like hey, Hamilton is big right now. We're going to buy and resell tickets at a profit. It's it's crazy. Uh, so sad news. We lost John Hurt this week. Hmm. Uh, known a lot for science fiction roles. He was nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal as John Merrick in David Lynch's The Elephant Man in 1981. He was also nominated for a supporting actor Oscar in what movie? Was it A, Alien, B, King Ralph, for C, Midnight Express. Midnight Express. That is correct. <laughs> now, I thought Ralph. I was going to throw you with the King Ralph because who knows? Uh, he was in a ton of movies, uh, including he actually did a voice in the creepiest animated movie of all time, Watership Down. Those are the worst, worst bunnies. I know you're a big bunny fan. but World, world bunny domination is real. Oh, my gosh. It was so real. Uh, but he's best known. He, he did die in movies a lot. Uh, even more so than Sean Bean, I think. Uh, Alien was a big one, obviously, but there were a lot more. So I think there's a, a bunch of YouTube videos of him dying in different movies and television shows. And I think I saw one where he clocked in at 40 on-screen deaths. Wow. Yeah, so it was quite a bit. Uh, last question. The NFL Pro Bowl was held here last night in Orlando. Yay. Who won? Was it the AFC? Was it the NFC? Or was it the Patriots? <laughs> um you know what i didn't i didn't watch i should have but i didn't i supported though uh we'll say the afc yeah that's correct yeah hey. they won uh they won 20 to 13 uh, it was a very close game a little bit chippy for a pro bowl game they got into it a little bit but uh, orlando will play uh, it was great it was sold out it was down at the camping world stadium and they'll, we'll play host again next year, and we have an option for a third year. I think the NFL has the option. So The Goodyear Blimp was flying around. Too. Oh, yeah, it was all over the place. And the weather cleared up. It was nice and cool. So thank goodness, because the morning started out. It looked ugly. It looked rough. Uh, there was one thing I read last night. I didn't get a chance to put it into the quiz, but Visit Florida, mm -hmm. if you're familiar, has a lot of controversy lately. Uh, so they had that pit bull contract. They got a bunch of people to resign because of that. So it turns out they've been signing... Some other questionable contracts. So it seems like they overpaid uh, Emeril and his production company. Mm. They went through a third party to pay Emeril to produce shows about dining in Florida, basically, about some of the, the things that we have here. I know they did a segment over at East End Market and things like that. It was great exposure. Right. But they ended up, everybody's looking at this contract going, how did you end up paying this much for them to produce? It was something like eight shows. So you'd probably look at it. It was uh, over $11 million mm. to produce that. It may have been more. I don't remember. Uh, and then somebody who left uh, Visit Florida went to a different organization. They paid that organization $10 million for something or around $10 million for who knows. Having said that, I'm pretty sure Rick Scott listens to the show. So I've already outlined my plan for what I would do as CEO of Visit Florida. Okay. And, uh, but I want to put my qualifications back out there. One, I've lived in Florida for over 43 years in two parts of central Florida. 
I have visited several other parts of the state. I have been to theme parks. I worked in gift shops growing up, so I know tourists. I'm Canadian, so I know that market as well. I have all my own teeth, and I'm a fierce negotiator. So go ahead, ask me for $10 million. Um, so, $10 million. Okay. Uh, we, oh, God, I mess that up every time. <laughs> so the other reason I bring that up is because I know you're involved in you know, making sure that Florida is known for, uh, as a good place to produce films. We talked about the movie that just won last night. It was Moonlight. Moonlight. And so, you know, we went away from that a little bit. There was this whole Hollywood East movement towards the end of the nineties, the early two thousands. Right. And now I don't think we do as much in terms of incentives for production companies and film companies to come here. Is that right? We have no incentives. We have no incentives. They're completely so. depleted. I mean, the, the incentive package that we had was popular, so popular that it depleted like a year or more before it was supposed to okay. or before it was budgeted to. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and so then I would imagine the people in charge have decided that it wasn't worth the effort or wasn't worth the investment that we were putting into it. We're going on year three of having no incentives in the state of Florida. That's amazing. Mm, yeah. That's amazing. So there are people in place that don't value filmmaking basically as a way to, as a way to diversify the industry as a way, obviously I'm very, I'm leaning towards one angle. I'm not a journalist by any means. I'm not trying to stay neutral on this because I right. think it's something that we need is to diversify all this. Mm -hmm. We have so much talent in central Florida. We do uh, in terms of acting and filmmaking and camera work. And, you know, you could find just about anybody. I would imagine we have several Foley artists. We have two here today. I'm not sure. <laughs> what were we going for there? I, I, I it was like know. a horse knocking on a door. Clydesdale's falling. I yeah, no yeah, idea. that was good. So maybe not Foley artists here in Santa Marta, <laughs> but other stuff, other stuff for sure. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's saying, okay. Yeah. So uh, we're waterboarding too, apparently. <laughs> so let me ask you this. What can we do to, is there anything we can do as far as that goes? Or is it just going to be, we have to get the incentives back in place? Because that's really what the draw is for well, the film companies. There are two things with that. One, a lot of people, well, some people, especially in, in the legislative area, don't see too kindly to incentives. A lot of people... Um, well, actually, one organization in specific, Americans for Alleged Prosperity, they don't seem to think that we are allocating the money to where it needs to go. They think we're just making movies to give it give the money to Hollywood. That all of the money that we we use for craft services and to pay for hotel rooms and yep. everything else here in Florida, we're just giving it to Hollywood. So just Hollywood. here, have some right. money. That's not the case at all. So the incentives are the incentives, a combination of tax free considerations like you can come in and, and do stuff tax free here, plus actual physical money uh, accommodations as well. It sounds like. Yeah, I, I think it's oh, what was the breakdown? I think it's for every three dollars spent, a dollar comes back to the production. I think. Don't quote okay. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while okay. since we've had incentives. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's. The, the incentive thing and not having money to make films or entice people to come here to make films, it just makes me so mad. I, I write a column in the Orlando Sentinel, a very short one. I'm part of their opinion section for the Central Florida 100, 
we are the 100 most powerful people in Central Florida or something. Nice. I don't know how I got on that list, but I I wrote a column not this week because we were off, but the week before about how Ben Affleck's Live for Night. The story had everything to do with mostly to do with Ybor City and some in Longboat Key. Yeah. They rebuilt Ybor City in Georgia. Because they could get the... Yeah. Flew in Spanish moths from here and everything. Remade Ebor in Georgia. Do you think, let me ask you this, Spanish moss's agent was mm. like, look guys, you're going to have to pay us extra for going all the way to Georgia. And they would probably have paid for it because yeah. it still would have been, been more cheap. of an incentive to shoot in Georgia than, than here. I just like the idea that Spanish moss has an agent. <laughs> it's all over. That's true. It's a bit, it's an underserved but large community. <laughs> you started out at Valencia. You decided that you're going to do film studies. You're going to do I did. film school, essentially. Yes. And you were over Valencia for that. Yes. And so now you're taking that knowledge that you learned there and at Florida Metropolitan University, which you also attended, mm-hmm. and you're applying it in a number of different ways. Yes. So you produce content for all sorts of websites and all sorts of people. We were just talking about. Uh, Mark with a C was a guest, so you have worked on some production stuff for him in the past. Yay, Mark. Central Florida, top five. You've yes. worked on some. You, you work on mainly video content for them, or how do you, or you work on, you write copy as well. I started off doing a, like a multimedia sort of producer position. I would make videos. I would shoot um, our uh, owner, Brian Wilson, who is in New York right now. Hi, Brian. I would shoot him. Any relation? Uh, no. Okay. No, not to the Beach Boy. That would oh, be awesome, though. No, I meant Owen Wilson. Oh, no, no, no. What about the Beach Boy? No. Oh. No, unfortunately, no. No. What about the other Wilson brother? Luke? Yeah. No. Oh, that's weird. I know. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe somewhere in the lineage, but I, I doubt it. Um, I would shoot him on location at an event or an opening or a sneak preview just doing goofy things. We mm-hmm. did some stuff at the Pie Festival, which is really neat. Uh, we did some stuff at Wawa when it first came to Florida. We did some stuff, but then that actually, because of my ambitiousness, it got to be too much. And in the time, I was also working in the industry here. Scattered gigs, but long enough to where they would pay the bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, now that's not the case, but uh, it got to be too much to do videos. So I would do some social media reporting and then I would also write some blogs for them and then I became managing editor and now I'm over about 15 writers oh nice so I try to to make sure that we are polished but I also try to do blogs too as I have time and yeah it's kind of at a premium lately but yeah absolutely yeah one of the things that takes up your time is uh, film slam yes. over at the Enzian that happens once a month it does and so from, I was always curious about this. So these are films that could be up to 20 minutes long? Up to 10 minutes to be in competition, 20 minutes to screen. Okay. And it is a competition. It is. Okay. There's and an audience vote. There's an audience vote. So what happens to the winner? There's a great thing. We have a great relationship. We've always had a great relationship with Enzion as our, our host venue, been our host venue for a while now of the winners of the audience vote of each film slam go on to automatically screen at Enzion's Bruhaha Film and oh, Video cool. yeah. comp- or f- Film and Video Festival that they have. And um, the 
there is a selections committee from Bruhaha that out of the four programs at Bruhaha will pick how many ever, I think it's an hour long program to play at the Florida Sidebar Florida Film Festival. So if you enter Film Slam and you win and it goes on to Bruhaha, of course you can enter Bruhaha on your own and not even come to Film Slam, but please come to Film Slam, please. <laughs> um, you could play Florida Film Festival. And it's notoriously hard to get Florida-made films into the Florida Film Festival because they're Oscar qualifying fest three times over and there's, they see so many films and everything else. So to get a short made in Orlando or Tampa or whatever would be really hard. Normally, you can kind of have a backdoor in via Film Slam. So, so it also helps their resume if they say they won the Film Slam, because I think what, yeah. I would imagine people know in the industry, they know what that is and they know what that means. Well, um, around here they do, yeah. And well, it also gives them a deadline, which I think is the most important thing for creative people. Like you have to get it done by this time. Sure, right. you could wait until the next month, but why not go ahead and get it done? So the next one coming up, you just uh, screened one recently, right? We did on the 8th. Okay. 8th of January was our first Film Slam of 2017 calendar year, but second Film Slam for the screening season. Oh, gotcha. So how many? about how many movies do you usually get and how many are you showing? So 219, uh, February 19th will be yes. the next one. And you have a theme for that one. I do have a theme for that one. We I When I took over last year from... Tim Anderson, who works for Inzion now, he, uh, I, I wanted to do themes. I wanted to do like a theme month, not every month, just scattered months. Mm -hmm. And February is all about, you know, you see the pink and the red in stores and Valentine's Day and all that other stuff. Uh, to people who celebrate it, it's, it's awesome. To people who don't, it's like, eh, it's another month. But I'm theming it around love in the loosest way possible. Most loose, looser, loosest, I don't know. Loose love, I loose. think is what I'm hearing, which <laughs> is a very love. specific type. <laughs> Swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, last year, for example, the I tried the, the love theme and it actually worked out. We had, um, we had a film called G is for Grown, which was uh, two obsessive fans chasing after a clown. And at the end, they pull his intestines out and start eating them. That could be love, obsessive love, but it's uh -huh. love. Uh, we had a um, a couple of a film called I forget what it's called. Please forgive me, filmmaker. Um, one where the there are a couple snipers that are going after a couple, and basically at the end of it, spoiler alert, they're Cupid uh, shooting yeah. the fall in love and all that stuff. I and love it because Cupid is upgrading his equipment. He is. That's nice. He is. And it didn't, no one got hurt, just a little coffee spilled. No big deal. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it could be lovey-dovey. We had a husband and wife part of that program. Like the program is open for interpretation. Uh, interpretation. So love of like, for example, um, there's going to be a really cool mini doc called Beyond the Ink, which is about tattoo art. Hmm. It's going to play in February. So that will be an interesting one. I have a couple of other ones up my sleeve. Nice. That uh, I don't want to spoil for the filmmakers, but. So can we go to nzn.org slash loose love and look that up and <laughs> submit? <laughs> yes. Because that's where we're going to go from now on. Well, Jen, we have to bring it to an end. So can you actually tell the right URLs for people to go to? So nzn.org to get to Film Slam to learn more about that. 
Yep, and you can go to facebook.com forward slash film slam to find out the latest. Okay. And then what about Central Florida Top 5? Central Florida Top 5, number 5.com is where you can go and read the latest that we have on the blog. And we're Central FL Top 5 on all the social media. I am at Jen Vargas on all social media, sometimes spelled with four ends, sometimes spelled with one. Depends <laughs> on if I could get my name. Pinterest, I didn't get my name. And Facebook, I didn't get my name. And Snapchat, I don't think I got my name either. But I don't use it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> I always struggle with that because I have, uh, at to a certain degree, on Instagram. And my Twitter is still my old handle, Manglehide. Yeah. Uh, because that was the name of a character uh, that used to do dream analysis for people on America Online. So that was a character I made up, so I used that for everything. Oh, okay. I wonder what the Yeah, so I might origin. change that, but I can't fit to a certain degree on Twitter. So mm. I think Twitter is actually against me. Oh, as some people think all the time. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. We're going to end with a song called Besame Mucho from Cesario, Cesaria Evora Woo. on WPRK. And that's going to lead into, I think, very well into uh, Ben with the Music of the World is coming up next. So thank you very much. You've been listening to a certain degree. I've been Nick. I've been Jen. We're going to continue to be those people. Yes. And uh, yeah. Good all day, on. every day. Nice. Thank you. <laughs>